I don't know what uh, your week looked like this week. I don't know uh, what was hard for you this week or even this month. But I know, at least from talking to many of you over the course of the last month and even just in my own life, that a lot of times there's difficult things in our lives, right? Difficult things, maybe to the point of overwhelming, maybe to the point where you even have physical symptoms of, man, life is really, really hard, or just kind of every day, every week things that you go, man, life is difficult. Maybe overwhelming, but life is difficult from whatever kinds of circumstances, whether that's health or family or relational issues or all sorts of types of things. I saw a study that recently was put out of what causes Americans the most stress. And maybe some of these you go, yep, that's me. Or maybe you go, yeah, all of those are mine. How did you find my graph? Um, and and this is, this is uh, the top things. Amount of money they have to live on, 35%. Maybe some of you go, yep, that stresses me out. I've got way too much money and I don't know what to do with it. I don't think that's what it meant, but uh, pressure they put on themselves. So as we go through life and we have pressure that we put on ourselves, whatever that may be about, maybe it's to appear a certain way or to, be, uh, to do well at a certain type of thing, or maybe it's um, to, to be like somebody that we admire or respect, maybe someone in the family or to get married or just different types of things, pressure that we put on ourselves and we start to feel stressed out about it, not getting enough sleep stresses you out that you're not getting enough sleep, which then, you know, then you don't get enough sleep because you're stressed. And then, you know, so this one probably keeps going. Their health. I know even talking to some of you this, uh, this week, you're stressed about different parts of your health. Amount of work they have to get done each day. You feel like, man, I can't even, I can never get ahead in my job. Maybe you work for yourself and you feel this way, or maybe your employer is just always putting new things on you. And you're like, I cannot get all of this work that I have done. And maybe it's not anything on here. This is just the top things. These are just the top stressors, but it could be all sorts of other things in our lives where we go, man, there's things in my life and life isn't easy. Life is difficult. Life is hard. It can be overwhelming. I was talking to somebody uh, this last week who said, man, most of the time in my life when I get scared about something or I get anxious about something or I get overwhelmed about something, I'm able to overcome it pretty quickly. But not this. They were dealing with a particular thing and saying, I can't shake this thing. This is just, I can't get over it. And maybe you feel like that now or you probably have at some point or just, man, life is difficult. Life has all sorts of trouble. And the chapter that we're looking at now with John was Jesus and his disciples, and they were dealing with stuff that was troubling them. They were dealing with stress. Maybe not these ones, but other stressors. They were dealing with stuff that was causing them heavy hearts. They were dealing with stuff that was causing them to be weighed down, to be anxious, to be overwhelmed even. And Jesus speaks into that. And though it's not going to be the same stuff that we are dealing with, the same thing that Jesus speaks to them when he sees their troubled hearts is the same thing that, that we need to hear. And so what do we need in our trouble? What do we need if, if these are the types of things that are stressing us out? What do we need if we experience and feel life is difficult, life is hard? What do we need? And so this is what we look at. And we'll read this whole chapter and then look at what it is that Jesus speaks to them in their situation that can help us in ours. So this is John chapter 14. If you have a Bible, uh, you can open it up there or we'll just have it on the screen. You can grab the one in front of you if you want that as well. And here's what Jesus says. Let not your hearts be troubled. 
So he's, he sees that there's this trouble in them. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on the account of the works themselves, all the different things that he has done. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. So he's saying, this is for you, especially my disciples. You know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, which... Sucks for that guy that he's got the double name. Said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He's referring to Satan there, saying he's about to die, as Satan put it in Judas's heart last week we talked about. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, going to the cross, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Okay, so the big thing that Jesus says at the beginning of this passage and at the end of it is this, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled, but why should we not be troubled? What is it that he says to them that they should not be troubled? The, his, kind of, his talking with them, his teaching them here is bookended with these 
phrases of not to be troubled. Why should we not be troubled? And if, and if you are troubled now, and if you're overwhelmed now, and if you are weighted now, and if you feel crushed in your heart right now, if you feel like the disciples, maybe not because of the same reasons, because Jesus is leaving and you don't understand it, that's, that's what was going on with them. Jesus is going to leave and they don't, they don't get it, they don't understand why, and they, they think they have this mission to do what he's called them to do, and, and yet he's leaving and they're like, how are we going to do this? And you're going to leave and I don't get it. But your heart may be troubled. And Jesus says, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. But has anyone ever told you, don't be troubled? And you just said, okay, well, now I feel troubled that I'm troubled. So thank you very much. Don't be anxious. Oh, now I'm anxious that I'm anxious. Now I, now I know I'm not supposed to be anxious, so I'm even more anxious. So why should we not be troubled? Why should we not be troubled? Well, there's a couple things we can see in here that Jesus says. The first is this. You know, this, it's really interesting because Jesus doesn't say this. He doesn't say, okay, disciples, everybody sit down. And I'm going to teach you about anxiety. And then go into a talk about not being troubled. So why is it that he's talking to them about being troubled in the first place? Why is it that he's speaking to them about them being troubled? Why is it that he is concerned about this question to begin with? Where does this teaching come from? Why does he all of a sudden start speaking about their troubled hearts? He doesn't just say, hey, everybody sit down and we're going to talk about anxiety today. This is sermon number 16. And why why is he talking about this? You know why? Because he can see that they're troubled. He looks at them and he can see it. He's talking, he's been talking to them. Last week we looked at it and he told them, hey, I'm going to go away. And then they're in this room and they're eating this meal. And, and he sees, obviously, that they're troubled. Whatever that was, whether that's eyes down and heads low or it's kind of just kind of hanging there, or, I mean, whatever symptoms, I mean, you can look at friends and go, man, that person looks troubled, right? My wife and I, many of you know, are adopting children, and um, in the process of that, we went to a class this weekend, and they were teaching all about just kind of the, all these different questions of people have, of, well, what do you do if your kid's doing this, or should we do this when a kid's doing this, or should we do that when a kid's doing this, and some of it's just normal parenting questions, but a lot of it is about um, just the, the child and their experience of being adopted. So some of it is, okay, so this child's from another country. So do we really help them embrace their previous culture? Or do we, do we just bring them into our family and say, no, you're a part of our family? And do we do, I mean, just all these different questions that people have. And the thing that the instructor was saying over and over and over again is this. You pay attention to your child's cues. You pay attention to your child's cues. Now, I mean, that's a good parenting tip no matter what, and a good human tip no matter what for those humans out there that want human tips. It's a good human tip to just look at people and be able to know, how do I deal with this person? And it's not the same way as you deal with this person. But, but you know what's happening in this passage? Jesus is a good friend, and he's looking at his friends, and he's paying attention to their cues, and he's in the middle of this room, and he sees, man, as I'm talking to them, I can tell they're troubled. I can tell they're troubled. He's not at a feast. Sometimes Jesus is at one of the Jewish feasts and he teaches on something that's related to that. He's in the middle of this room and he sees his friend's cues and he sees they're troubled. And he goes, you know what? I need to say something. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now see, why should we not be troubled? The first thing is simply this. 
he hasn't forgotten. He sees us in the middle of our trouble. Look, if your stomach, you know, different things, if your stomach is, is achy, not because of something you ate, but because of, because of stress, maybe ulcers or just anxiety, and you feel it, Jesus sees it. He's, he sees your cues. If you got sweaty palms, not because it's hot in here, but because, because you're stressed, if, you're, if your heart is beating faster than normal, if your blood pressure is high, if your eye, sometimes when I get stressed, my eye is twitching, Jesus sees it. He sees your cues. That's the first reason that we can go, why should we not be troubled is this. Look, and then this isn't everything, okay? We're going to work through this, but Jesus sees it. Whatever you're going through right now, he, he hasn't forgotten it. He doesn't miss it. He sees what's happening in your life. In the middle of this room with his disciples, he's looking around the room and he can see. Isn't that amazing to you? Jesus isn't this dumb friend that, that you have that kind of misses everything that's going on. He, he goes, oh, I see something's wrong with you. He goes, I, I can see. You're troubled. Your heart's troubled, isn't it? And then he goes on to talk with them. And here's what he says. You know what he says to them of why we should not be troubled? Not just that he hasn't forgotten us, but he says that he will be with us. He tells the disciples that he will be with them. They're experiencing this troubled heart. They're experiencing this anxiety and this stress. And Jesus' main point throughout this passage is, I'm going to be with you. And he starts talking about it with kind of heaven. And he says, hey, I'm going to prepare a place and the Father has many rooms for you. But then he brings it e even into the current reality as he's talking to them. He tells Philip, Philip says, well, just show us the Father. Just show us God and, and it'll be enough for us. And he says, I'm with you right now. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. But then he even moves it even further. And he says, and it's not just that one day you'll be with me and I'll take you to myself. It's not just a future hope. It's not just right now that as you see me, you do see God. He says, no, guess what? When I leave, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you the helper. I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. And God will be with you always, forever, he says. So why should we not be troubled? Jesus' first thing is this. Look, I see it. I see what's going on. What comfort would that bring to you if you really believe? Man, Jesus sees even, even the sweat on your hands and even the eyes that are just kind of hanging low. Jesus sees it and he says, I will be with you. Not just one day, not just, hey, there's a future hope in heaven, but I'll be with you always now, he tells his followers. And you know the word he uses here? He says that, that God will send, that he will send his spirit and he will be with them. The Holy Spirit will be with them. And he, and he uses the word and he calls the Holy Spirit the helper. And that's an amazing word. I mean, I think we can think of God as king and we can think of God as judge and we can think of God as father and we can think of him as alpha and omega. And, but what about helper? That God is our helper. That sometimes we feel like can be a, a derogatory term of, oh, the help. But Jesus says, I will be with you. I will be with you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I will be with you. I will be your helper. And you know what that word actually means? The word helper? It's a legal word. It means a lawyer. Isn't that interesting? 
father, son, and holy lawyer. It's the only time you'll ever hear that phrase, right? But that's what, that's what the word means. It's an advocate. Now, this makes sense if you think about it, because when, when do you go reach out for a lawyer? It's when you need help, right? You get in a crazy car accident, and it's the other person's fault, but they're like, no, it was your fault. Like, oh my goodness, this is going to go bad. I need a lawyer. You get in, you get in some legal problems with, uh, you know, some, let's say you did something bad and you, you need to defend yourself. What do you need? You need help. So you get a lawyer. You know, the, they're doing a TV special right now. It's, I think it's almost done, but about OJ. You guys know who OJ is? Some of you are young. Is it too soon to talk about OJ? You guys, is this still controversial? Okay, so OJ killed his wife. He's in jail now, by the way, for kidnapping or something weird. I looked it up today. But so they're doing a special on, but OJ, man, he's in bad straits when all that went down, right? Really bad straits. What did he need? He needed Johnny Cochran, right? He needed a lawyer. He needed an advocate. He needs someone to help him because he's in a bad situation that he can't handle. He is troubled. I'm not saying he's right or good. I'm just saying the role of the lawyer is to come into somebody that needs help, right? Somebody that needs help, that's desperate. And Jesus says this, look, you know why you shouldn't be troubled? I'm going to send you a lawyer. He says, I'm going to send you an advocate. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he'll be with you. I will be with you. I will be present with you as an advocate, someone that, what does that mean about God, that he's calling himself a lawyer? What does it mean about the Holy Spirit, that he's a helper, but in, even in the legal term of an advocate? What does that I mean? Think about what that means. I mean, think about what, why we go to a lawyer. There, I mean, we believe there's some sort of smarts that they have. There's some sort of wisdom that they have that we don't have, some sort of power that they have that we don't have, some sort of strength and know-how of how things work that we don't have some sort of care for the situation. I mean, for God to say, here's why you shouldn't be troubled, because I'm going to be with you as an advocate. That's saying, man, he is strong. He is wise. He cares about our case. He's for us. And Jesus says, I won't leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. I'll be with you forever in the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will make my home with you. I think about it, that's amazing. He says, the Holy Spirit will come and make a home with you. It says so much about God. Why should we not be troubled? Here's what Jesus says when he looks at his friends. He looks at them and says, you know what? I see it. I see your hearts. I see that you're troubled. And I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you as an advocate, as someone that's on your side for you in the middle of whatever's troubling you. This is what Jesus says. But what help does he bring? I mean, we know the kind of help that a lawyer brings. They bring legal help and they argue from uh, laws and they argue from case law and they argue from experience and, and evidence. But what kind, of help, what kind of help does the Holy Spirit give? Jesus calls him the helper. He says, the, the helper will be with you. The lawyer will be with you. The advocate will be with you. But, but what kind of help does he give? What kind of help does he give? And, and Jesus mentions a couple things. One of them is this. He says that he will make his love real to us. He says that his love will manifest to us. 
Isn't that the help that we need often? I mean, what if you were able to go throughout your day knowing and feeling and experiencing that God loved you? Don't you think that would change our day? What, what happens in your day when you feel loved by someone, not even God, but just when you feel, I mean, maybe some of you are dating, I don't know, and you, and you are just like, oh, I'm so in love, I got a text message, and oh, and your whole day is great. Or maybe, maybe it's not that, maybe it's a, a, some, someone else, you're married, and it's an anniversary, and you get flowers, or you get a note that just says, man, I'm just thinking about, I mean, what would your day start like tomorrow if somebody just, that, that you really care about said, man, I just want you to know at the beginning of your day, I just love you. I mean, wouldn't that make your day good? I hope so. You're hard-hearted if you're like, no, I would be mad if someone told me they loved me. You know, <laughs> my day would suck. I would walk. <laughs> I don't even know who would say that. But we, we, we go through life, and if we experience love, if we feel love, we go, man, this is great. It can actually change the day. You can be in the middle of traffic and just go, it's okay, I'm loved. A lot of times people feel this when they're dating, but you can feel it other times too, right? Even when people are dating, when they first start dating, I mean, if you're dating a long time, it can go away. But if you're first dating and you're just Twitter-pated and you're just like, oh my goodness. I mean, you do stupid things, right? Because love blinds you. Love makes you just like crazy because it's giving you this like, ha, oh, I am loved. I can do anything. And people are like, calm down, dude, or calm down, girl, or whatever they say, right? But because love, it can give you this sense of just, Man, and Jesus says one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he makes the love of God real to you. He manifests it to you. He makes the love this tangible, thick thing that you're just like, it's there, it's present. I mean, what could we do if we had that kind of help? You know, I don't, did you guys see the movie Everest? It's about, um, I can't remember if it's like, the, it's like the second time they went up to climb or something, and... Um, and but one of the guys, he's like trapped up there and he's going to die. And they're like, man, get his wife on the phone. Get his wife on. And they use this crazy phone walkie-talkie thing and call him. And, and basically, it's just so his wife can tell him that she loves him. Not because, hey, he's going to die and have it be the last words. But because if he could talk to his wife, if he could know he was loved, then maybe he would be able to actually go through this crazy storm in the mountain and all of this. And this is what Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit does. That the Holy Spirit makes the love of God real to our hearts. What could we, what, I mean, with that kind of help, what could we do? That's what the Holy Spirit does. And the other help Jesus mentions is this. He says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does, one of the things the Holy Spirit gives to us, one of the ways the Holy Spirit helps us is by giving us peace. Now, this is an internal peace, right? It's not a peace of like wartime has ended. Your circumstances still might be crazy. For the disciples, their circumstances were still going to be crazy. Jesus was still going to leave. He was still going to die on the cross. And then when he even would come back and rise from the dead and send them out, their life would still be crazy. All of them, most of them, but one, would die a martyr's death. So it's not a peace that says all the circumstances are going to change, but it's an internal peace. 
And Jesus says, I give you my peace. The Holy Spirit will be with you and you will have a peace. And that's what we all want when we're stressed, right? When we're troubled, when we're stressed out, whether because of money or because of pressure we put on ourselves or because of the amount of work we have to do or because of decisions we have to make or because of things that we, we're not sure about, what we want when our hearts are troubled is, man, I need some peace. Just need some peace. And we go to different things for it, right? It might be movies and you just check out. It might be alcohol to just calm your brain down. It might be the mountains. It might be pornography. It might be all sorts of things that we go, man, I need some peace in the middle of the stress that I've got. I need some peace. But Jesus says something interesting. He says, I give you peace, but not as the world gives do I give to you. He says, look, anybody that is troubled, anybody that's troubled runs to peace. Anybody that is troubled runs to some sort of peace, but there's different kinds of peace. There's a peace that the world gives. There's a peace that the world has to offer that, listen, works, but runs out. And Jesus has a different kind of peace. You know that if you drink alcohol, and you have a glass, and a second glass, and a third glass, and a fourth glass, you're going to feel a lot of peace for a little bit. And then you're going to have a bad headache and send a drunk text to someone and go, crap. Right? If, if you're feeling stressed and troubled, and you go, man, you know what I need? I just need to check out and watch movies all day. And you're going to feel some peace. But the next day, the trouble's going to be right back. And if you're, if you're feeling trouble and you go, man, I, I, I need some peace. Anything that we go to, it will run out. And Jesus says, there's a peace that the world has. There's a peace that you can get in the world. But I'm giving you a different peace. I'm giving you a peace that will not run out. I'm giving you a peace that lasts, that endures. Isn't that, I mean, isn't that what we want when we're troubled? Not just a, a little taste of peace, but we want to actually go, okay, I've got peace now in the middle of this trouble. Maybe I'm not making as much money as I want to make, but I've got peace. Not just for this sliver of time, not just for today, but I've got peace. Isn't that what we want? It's what I want. And Jesus says, the Holy Spirit makes Jesus' love, makes the Father's love, real to us. He manifests it to us. And he says, he gives to us a peace, a peace that doesn't run out. We, now, look, you maybe go, well, I've gone to church and I've read the Bible and I prayed and the peace ran out. Okay, well, that's not because his peace ran out. It's because we went away from him. His peace, his peace works. His peace lasts. We may get a little fix and then go, okay, I'm fine. But his peace doesn't run out. So he says he gives us those two things and then he gives another thing that is more particular to these disciples' actual situation. But maybe for some of you, those of you that are Christians and, and really try to take Jesus' words seriously of what he says about our role in the world, and you may feel actually this same kind of tension and want the help that he says here. Because see, for the disciples, the thing that was going on is Jesus is leaving, and they're sad to lose their friend, but they're also troubled because Jesus has given them this big mission. He's given them this big thing of, man, I'm, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Savior of the world, and we're going to see, see people's lives change, and we're going to see God's kingdom come. 
We're going, to see, we're going to see God change hearts and lives and whole cities. And then he's like, okay, I'm leaving. And they're like, well, how, how are we going to do that without you? You've been the one doing the whole thing. And so one of the things that Jesus says to them of the help that the Holy Spirit gives, and it's kind of a crazy verse, but he says in verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do in greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. See, this is a, a promise to them that's very particular to the particular stress that they were feeling, the particular trouble they were experiencing. And he says, you know what? Yeah, I'm leaving, but it doesn't mean the work is going to stop. In fact, there will be greater work that's done, whether that's because of the quantity. Jesus was one person, but he sends his Holy Spirit into all those that trust in him and believe in him to do the work of drawing people to come to know him and have their lives changed by him. So maybe it's the quantity he's talking about, or it can actually be the power that it is going to be done with. Because we now, this side of Jesus having died and resurrected and knowing with greater clarity who he is, can see even more things happen than happened when people still really didn't get it. But Jesus is saying, look, sometimes the help Sometimes for them and sometimes for some of us here, we go, man, I really want to be a part of what God is doing. I really want to help people come to know him. I really want, I really want to love people and serve people like Jesus did. I really want to do that, but it's hard. And maybe that's the trouble that you experience. Maybe that's the overwhelmedness that you experience, which is part of what it was for them. But Jesus says, part of what the Holy Spirit does is he will give you power to do the work that I did when I was here. That's amazing. And do we, for those of us that are Christians, do we believe that? Greater work, greater works than I did, will you do? That was kind of amazing. And Jesus said, well, it's part of what the Holy Spirit does. So, this is the help that he brings. How do we get this help? And Jesus says, look, I see you're troubled. I see you're troubled, but you don't need to be troubled because I'm with you. I see your trouble and I am with you as your helper. And part of the help I give is peace. And part of the help I give is making my love real to you. And part of the help I give even is to empower you to be able to do the work that I did. But how do we get this help? How do we actually get this help? And here's what Jesus says. And he says it in many different ways and he repeats it all throughout here. And he emphasizes it over and over and over again. You know what the help is? Jesus says it's to obey him. That's what he says. How we get this help? Over and over again, Jesus says, I've spoken these things to you, and if you love me, you'll obey them. And if you obey me, then the Father that's in me will be in you. And if you obey me, the Holy Spirit will come to you. And if you obey me, my love will manifest to you. That's what Jesus says. How do we actually get this help? How do we actually tap into what he is saying that he gives to us? He says, if you obey me, this is all yours. But what's he talking about? Because don't jump into your mind to, okay, so I'm not supposed to steal and kill and, and uh, I'm supposed to uh, you know, do this thing and that thing. Because what is he talking about when he says obey him? Well, if you read John's book, the whole book, what are the commands that Jesus has been saying? You know what the commands are that Jesus has been saying? 
over and over and over and over and over again? You know what his teaching has been to people over and over and over again? That's what he's talking about when he says, obey me. In their mind, they've got to go, okay, well, here's what, here's what he's taught in the book as a reader. And we go, okay, well, what did Jesus say to obey? Over and over and over again, the thing that Jesus is saying is this, come to me, receive me, drink of me, eat of me, abide in me. Over and over and over again, the commands that Jesus gives in this book is that he wants us to come to him, to go to him, to receive him, to even, he uses language of drink and eat, which is just to have him so a part of us. So Jesus is saying, how do you receive this help? You know how you receive it? You obey me. And you know what I've spoken to you that you need to obey? It's to come to me. You want help when you're troubled? You want peace when you're troubled? You want God's love to be real to you when you're troubled? You want power when you're troubled? You gotta obey me, which means come to me. Because here's the tendency. Isn't our tendency in the middle of trouble to turn away from God? In the middle of trouble, often, not always, but often, our trouble, our tendency is to turn away from God. We experience trouble, we experience stress, and your response may be different. You know, they talk about fight, flight, freeze. This is your, your tendency in the middle of trouble may be, okay, I gotta, I gotta muster it up, I gotta fight this, I gotta listen to Eye of the Tiger, and I gotta get ready to, I gotta do this. I gotta plan, I gotta think, I gotta, I gotta figure it out. And your response to trouble, when you feel troubled and stressed and anxious, it may be fight mode. It may be, all right, let's do this. I need to read positive thinking quotes. I need to think about a lot of positive thoughts and just go for it. But your tendency may be flight. It may be, man, I'm troubled. I am stressed. I'm checking out. I don't even want to, some of you don't even want to think about it, right? There's trouble. Maybe it's relational drama or maybe it's work stuff. And you're like, I, I don't even want to think about it. When you feel troubled, when you feel down, when you feel anxious, when you feel sad, when you feel overwhelmed, and you go, man, I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to deal with this right now. I just want ice cream or whatever. And it's flight. And freeze is just kind of, don't even know what to do, right? That was a new one, but I heard that kind of trifecta recently. A fight, flight, freeze. You're paralyzed between both. You're like, do I fight? Do I flee? Uh, and just tip over, okay? I've never seen that happen, but that's what I imagine happens. But Jesus says, your tendency is going to be to walk away from me in trouble. Your tendency in the middle of trouble is going to be to walk away from me, but you know how you receive the help that you need? You obey me, which is you come to me. You receive me. You draw near to me in the middle. You know what this means, what we need in trouble? We don't need strength. We don't need to ignore the problem. We don't need a hopelessness of it's never going to change. And we don't need more strength. What we need is weakness. In the middle of trouble, in the middle of anxiety, in the middle of whatever you're stressed about, whatever you're overwhelmed about, you know what you need? Weakness. To go, I need help. Right? That's somebody, somebody that's weak says, I need help. And Jesus says, you want the helper? You want the helper? Well, then you have to actually come to him and say, I need help. I am weak. 
Not, I'm not going to think about it. Not, okay, I can do it. I don't need more me, and I don't need less problem and just not think about it. What I need is a helper. What I need is a helper. That's what I need. That's what it means to obey, is to come to him. To come to him in weakness. This is why two of the things that Jesus says in relation to this, of how we receive this, he says, and again, this one is in particular to the mission that these disciples were feeling, because he says, you're going to do these great works, and then he says, you need to pray. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And he's not talking about, if you ask for a car, I'll give it to you. And if you ask to win a lottery, you'll get it. And if you ask for a spouse, you'll get it, because he's talking to them right here about the mission of, you, man, there's great works that need to be done, and yeah, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave, but you can do these great works. What you need to do is ask anything in my name, which doesn't mean just saying, Jesus, in my name means if you ask anything according to my will, if you ask anything that is about who I am and my identity, I'll do it. And so for them, it really is a promise particular to the mission, but the principle is this. The principle is this, how do we receive this help? We come to him, which means we have to talk with him, which means we need less self-talk, where we talk to ourselves, either negatively or positively, and to talk to him. Go, I need you. I need help. And we don't just talk with him, but we listen to him. That's what Jesus says that the Holy Spirit also does. Jesus says that he'll send the Holy Spirit and he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus said, when I send you the Holy Spirit, he's going to teach you everything and he's going to bring to your mind all the things that I taught you. I mean, that's how we get these books in the first place. Even in John, a lot of the stuff as we've gone through this book, John will say, we didn't know what he was talking about then, but now we know. We didn't know what he meant when he was saying this. Ah, but now we know. And Jesus is saying, that's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. The Holy Spirit will come, and he'll teach you all the things I've been trying to teach you, and he'll bring to your remembrance all that I said to you in a way that's more clear, in a way that you get it. And they went, yes, and they started to write it down. And that's how we have the Bible. The New Testament, at least. And Jesus says, how do we receive this help? You have to come to him. And coming to him is an act of humility. It's an act of weakness. And then we talk to him. And then we listen to him. You know that you know who you trust based on who you listen to. Whenever you're having a, a, a big problem, the person you call, that's who you trust. But even just when you're overwhelmed and you're feeling anxious and you're feeling stressed, what's the voice that you listen to? Is it yourself? You trust yourself. Is it some certain blog or some certain website or some certain teacher or speaker? In the middle of your trouble, in the middle of your stress, the voice that you listen to is the one that you trust. And Jesus says this, you need to listen to me. That's part of the job of what the Holy Spirit does. He says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and you can talk to me 
And I'll communicate with you. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. And the main way that he speaks to us is here. That the disciples wrote down what he taught. And we can hear what he says. The main job of the Holy Spirit, one of the main jobs of what he does, is to remind, Jesus says, of the things that he said, of of what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit's job is to say, look what Jesus said. Look who Jesus is. And that's what we need in the middle of our trouble. That's what we need in the middle of our stress. Just to go, man, who? I need to remember again who Jesus is. I mean, that's, it's all connected, right? Because if you remember that Jesus loves you and you remember that Jesus is with you and you remember, that's what the Holy Spirit is continually trying to draw you back to because that's the help we need. That's the help we need. So where are you troubled? Where are you troubled? Maybe it's a big thing in life. Maybe it's something that's been there for a long time, but maybe it's just particular moments in particular days. Where are you troubled? When do you experience trouble? When someone says something to you and you get defensive, or when your day all of a sudden you feel sad and down, or the times that you're just kind of clenching your fists or grinding your teeth and you notice, man, why am I stressed? Why am I anxious? What are you overwhelmed about right now? What are you troubled about right now? And what does it look like to come to Jesus? What does it look like to say, I want help and to come to him and go, okay, so I'm going to pray, I'm going to talk to you, and I'm going to listen to what you say. I want to know who you are in the middle of my trouble. I don't want to get the peace that the world gives. I want to get the peace that you give. So I want to actually listen to your voice and what you say. Man, we are all troubled at different times in our lives, to different degrees. Overwhelming experience or just the daily troubles of life. What right now do you need to come to him about? I would encourage you, even as we're about to take communion, to as you go and take communion, to just say, Jesus, here's what I'm troubled about. Jesus, here's where I need you to help me. I need you to help me. The final thing is this. Why should we trust him to give us this help? As Jesus says, look, I see your trouble. I know you're troubled. I see it. I see that you're troubled, and I care about it, and I'm with you, and I'll be your helper, and the help I'll give you is to give you peace and to make my love real to you and to even give you power to be a part of what I'm doing. And the way you get this help is to obey me and coming to me and talking to me and letting my voice form you. But why should we trust him to give us that help? And Jesus says, if we love him, we'll obey him, we'll come to him. If you love me, you will come to me. If you love me, you'll obey me. But why should we love him? It's a similar question. Why should we trust him? Jesus says, if you love me, then you will come to me. But why love him? And what I find amazing is it in the chapter we looked at last week and, and even the chapter before that, Jesus himself says, I'm troubled about himself. There's this point we looked at two weeks ago where Jesus prays to the Father and says, now is my heart troubled because he knows that he's about to go to the cross and die. He says, now is my heart troubled and what shall I say? 
What do I say in the middle of my trouble? Do I say, God, save me from this hour? He says, no. For this very purpose, I came to this hour. You know what this is saying? Jesus willingly walked into the most troubling thing possible. None of us would choose our trouble. We go, man, if there's a way to get out of this trouble, that'd be nice. Jesus walked into the most horrific trouble that you could imagine. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, a separation from God on the cross. He walked into the worst trouble possible and said, I'm going to do this. Why? For you and for me. To bring us into his family, to call us his children, to call us his own, to save us from sin and death, but to give us life with him to make us his. He says, I will face my trouble. I will go through the worst trouble. This is what we remember when we take communion, that his body was broken, his blood was shed, that he willingly walked into trouble for you and for me. That's why we can trust him in our trouble because he walked into trouble for us. So let's pray and just talk to him and just say, man, Jesus, I need some help. You say you're a helper. I know you're a teacher, and I know you're a king, and I know you're a judge, but, but you say you're a helper, and I need your help. And I'm going to obey you in coming to you because you came to me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace in coming to us when there was nothing we did to deserve that, in running to us when there was nothing we did to deserve it. But you give us grace, and you give us mercy, and you meet us in the middle of our trouble. Jesus, thank you that you say that you do not leave us, but that you are present with us always in the Holy Spirit. You say that you do not make us orphans, which means you are always our Father that is with us, caring for us, dwelling inside of us, making your home with us, all of these amazing and beautiful truths. And God, we need to believe these. Help us to, though, because I know Many of our hearts are troubled, even this week. Many of us have shed tears this week, have felt physical pain this week, have had sleepless nights this week, have ran to other things this week for peace, have tried to avoid thinking about our problems for peace. And God, all of that, we just bring to you right now, and I pray for every heart that you would help us. Help us to know that you're a God in the middle of our trouble and who experienced trouble for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.